You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. Hello! That was was my least exciting introduction that we've ever done on uh, this show, but welcome. We're we're stoked that you're here. (laughs) How are you going today, Tash? I'm doing well, uh, Robbie. That's good. Did you know it's Are You OK Day today? I found out, yes, because you told me. (laughs) Yes, and I just wanted to make sure, like, are you OK, Robbie? Um... (laughs) Well, let's be real. I'm not doing that great. Okay. And um, I think there's a lot of people who are in that situation at the moment, globally, in our state, etc., struggling with the different things that are happening in our world one way or the other. And yeah, it kind of it kind of can, can wear pretty thin on you, I think, all of the stuff that's been happening in our, our health sphere, our political sphere, our etc. sphere. And I was thinking about this as I was driving in, not just praying, because yeah, I just... Not not been in the greatest mood all day, and I haven't been so super successful with some of the stuff that I've been trying to put together for work, etc. And um, you know, I was thinking, it's not it's not something that we're supposed to do to go and just mask and pretend that we're okay when we're not. That's not the Christian journey. Yeah, this is true. Um, but there is the the fact that we are supposed to experience the joy the joy that comes in Christ, even in difficult circumstances, whatever those circumstances may be. So the the short answer is I'm not feeling super awesome, but God is truly good, and um, he is going to sort things out, and um, we can put our trust in him. So I'm excited today simply because we're going to do a Bible study, and um, I need that for my own personal spiritual well-being. So I'm excited to do some time in Scripture together (laughs) with you today. And uh I don't know where you're at, everybody, today with how you're traveling in life and what's going on in the world around you, but we just pray that uh, today can be a blessing for you, too. Mm. We do have a good show lined up for you, even though I'm not feeling super excited about all of the things happening in the world at the moment, but the uh, reality is today's going to be a good day. Yeah. We've got an awesome stuff lined up for you. We do. <laughs> we, well, we do, we do. We have uh, our Weird and Wonderful Fact, and we've got... Um, uh, a friend Shari who'd be sharing her testimony today, you. which will be good. Yeah, as a fellow um, uh, student, oh, co- colleague, not colleague. We're not colleagues yet. We're classmates. That's what we are. There we go. Yes. Love it. That's the right word. And um, and then we'll be digging back into Exodus thirty-four. So actually, this is this is this is one of the coolest passages I think in the whole book of Exodus. Oh, um, really? You don't think so? Well, no, you're no, gonna no. Find I'm out just, why, then. Oh, this is going to be think, good. I think that this is one of the most powerful passages in the Old Testament, and definitely in the book of Exodus. I think that some of the stuff that happens in this chapter is absolutely profound and foundational for kind of just how we view God and how that impacts how we view everything else. So super excited. Stick around for that. It's going to be good. And um, remember to hang out for that buzzword. And uh, we'll tell you more about that after this song. This is Ellie Holcomb. We've got this hope. Oh, 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 
Faith FM with Robbie and Tash. Yay, I did that. You did it. I did. You did it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. That was so good. Yeah. That We didn't even plan that. You just did it. It's just That was awesome. But you did it. I couldn't see you moving to speak. And I was like, oh, time to go. Time to say something. I love it. I love it. Sometimes, sometimes greatness. 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 <laughs> Some people are born great. Others have greatness thrust upon them. <laughs> I think I'm the latter, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wasn't born great. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've had great. greatness thrust upon me either, to be honest. But, but I think you just did a great job. That was the point. Awesome. Anyway, awesome. we're uh, we, welcome back to the talking portion. Thank you for listening to that song. That was a beautiful song by Ellie Holcomb called "We've Got This Hope." And uh, just before we get into our weird and wonderful world segment, which I'm excited about, um, I just wanted to plug that. Throughout the show, some point in the show, we're going to give you a secret code word. And when you get that code word, you can then call the number we're about to tell you and receive a free copy of a book called Hope in Troubled Times. Is that what it's called? Well, it's Hope for Hope Troubled for Times. Troubled Times. Sorry, yeah. we're doing a series with our church at the moment called Hope in Troubled Times. Okay. And in fact, the last show is tomorrow night. So if you want to check that out, check out our Facebook page, Coast Life Adventist Church NSW, um, or our YouTube channel. And uh, you can see that. But... That's not what we're giving away. What we're giving away today is a book by a guy named Mark Finley that talks about the hope that we can have during a time of pandemic and what does God have to say about what's coming after this. Yeah, so it looks at post-pandemic as well. That's right. So that's, yeah, a new hope and a, and, a, and a great book that you'll be able to share with your friends and neighbors and colleagues. So, yeah. Awesome. And you can, so, yeah, oh, so you can, it. I'm taking over everything. Do it. So you can call us with, when, when you hear that, that secret word, uh, 0491. Zero six four double six nine. That's zero four nine one zero six four double six nine, and that brings us back to our weird and wonderful world. <laughs> I love it. All right. So, what do you have for us today, Tash? Okay. So today, I want to talk about because it's spring and there's a lot of things changing. 
That's and, good because I need to pick me up. And people are always uh, cleaning up their houses <laughs> and, you know, taking on new habits and they're thinking, hmm, summer's not too far away. Should I be taking on a, you know, new Everybody's trying to think about their summer or, bod. And, yeah, you know. they're thinking about their summer bodies <laughs> and, and it's getting warmer outside. So I think, oh, I'm going to spend more time out there. But today I want to talk about real change actually happens when you do it in one degree increments. Now, one degree. That's 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 the concept here. That's our weird, wonderful world. Okay. One degree. I'm I'm with you a little bit. A keep, little bit. Keep coming. Keep keep it coming. I'm okay. So I'll give you some examples. Apparently, the some of the most successful people make their beds in the morning. Wow. What a fact. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting when you say that because yeah, th- that's something that they do in the military, for example, right. The first yes. thing that you have to do is you get up and you make your bed. And by the way, if you do it in the military, it's got to be spick and spick. I've never yeah. made my bed look like that. You can bounce the coin off it. That's, that's right. how it's that's even how it... more intense than hospital corners. Like yeah. it is full on. Yeah. But the reason behind that is you start your day by getting something done. You yeah. start your day by practicing discipline. Because you know what's interesting about that? And this is actually something that we talk about in um, the Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, um, which I've been a part of uh, a number of times that's been a real blessing to me um, with my own health journey, mental health journey. It's been really fascinating to know that once you get something done, Mm. it's so much easier to get something else done, right? Like the hardest thing to do is to get the first thing done. If you need to go for a walk and you're not motivated, get out the door, open the door, take that step to those steps outside and out to the mailbox. Once you get there, you can go, oh, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll go for a little, I'll go down to the end of the street. A little bit, yeah. I'll go around the, and pretty soon you've walked for an hour or two and you go, wow, that feels great. I feel wonderful and I'm ready to take on the world. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. That's like one step at a time, one degree at a time. And so how about going to bed early at night? Oh man, that's one that I, I think that everybody sounds, struggles with, isn't it? And the people always like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a night owl. I'm, I'm more I'm of a night. A, I'm, yeah. yeah, you know, those are lies. It's those like, are lies that we make up. It's very true. They're excuses. No one's a night owl when you don't have blue screens in front of you all day long. This is very true. If you didn't have electricity, you'd all be asleep by eight o'clock. Yeah, because <laughs> our natural rhythm would follow the sun. When the sun sets, we would go to sleep. That makes, but obviously, like just what uh, Robbie was saying with the blue light, we that's why we stay up later. So going to bed early at night gets you up early in the morning. Hmm, one little change. I love it. Okay, here's another one. Uh, the thing is with creating habits is that they take time. Uh, the reason why I say one degree, do you know what the melting temperature of an ice cube is? Um, no, I I, I should. I don't. Okay. Well, it's not one degree, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not 26 degrees. So you can watch an ice cube. So if it's 26 degrees, nothing. 27, 28, 29, 30, nothing. 31, nothing. And then at 32 degrees, it starts melting. Is that Fahrenheit or is Celsius? This is Celsius. Wow, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Wow. Wouldn't it be? Oh, hang on. Is it? Well, I think- it said 32 degrees when I, with the book. Did you look it up on Google? No, it was in this book I was reading. I'll was it share, an American book? The, I think it was an American book. I'm sure. Oh, Because no. freezing point in Fahrenheit is 32. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. But it was definitely so 32. So it would be like one degree in centigrade, okay. right? Right? I'm sure. That, am I going crazy? Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe. Text us in Maybe. or call us in. Yeah, Let us know the in. answer. <laughs> Correct us because Google is not our friend today. And uh, you can do that by texting or calling 0491 I think that this has great spiritual application too. If you want to see spiritual change, it doesn't happen in a great turnover of everything at once. It happens one small decision at a time. Hey, this is me. 
violent treachery And willfully spurn Our false ideologies When will the tallies of the slain Just the same blood runs through our own veins But we study our wars So we know nothing more Aren't we misinformed? Well, I long for the day And when will we learn to play? Children instead of blood run down our streets. When will our insatiable lust for self give way? When will we like children? Embrace each other's pain But we study our war So we know nothing more Aren't we misinformed? Well, I long for the day We are We are unlearned 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio, and it has now come that portion of our show where we hear somebody testify about what God has been doing or has done in their real life today. So today, who have we got, Tash? We have Shari Patrick. She's a classmate of mine. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Hi, Tash. Hi, Robbie. Hey, Shari. How are you today? How are you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going pretty good today. Oh, that's really good. We're glad to have you on. Could you just introduce yourself um, to our listeners today? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Shari. As Tash said, I'm her classmate, so I'm studying ministry and theology. I'm, I don't know, what else? I'm half Indian, half Australian, and I live in Lake Macquarie. Oh, beautiful. Do you want to just... Um, uh, so the next portion you're going to tell us a testimony or a God moment or something that is that God has done in your life. And so yeah, you just you got the next five minutes or so. Um, just yeah, just tell us, tell us yeah, tell us the story. Thanks. All right, yeah, um, sure thing. So yeah, the last the last probably four weeks has been quite a struggle for me, and I'm sure that other people can relate. I've just been quite anxious um, and quite confused about a lot of things that are happening in the world, but also in my world as well. I'm actually, I'm graduating or I'm meant to be graduating at the end of this year and I'm still not quite sure um, what it is that God has called me to do, especially studying um, ministry. So that's been really confusing and I've had quite a bit of fear about the whole thing. And it's interesting how, yeah, my anxiety and, you know, my fear, my confusion, it really should be the thing that draws me close to Jesus. But the last few weeks, it's just been drawing me away. And, um, yeah, I felt quite alone and unsure, um, at that, at those, in those few weeks about, you know, what was going to happen with the rest of my life and what God was actually doing and what, you know, he wanted from me. Um, but it was interesting, even, you know, in my anxious mind, I was just kind of reaching out to God and just asking for him to show me what kind of the next step was because it's mm. quite hard when you're just waiting on God. Like, it's quite challenging to wait. I think it's something that we're not really used to. Um, but... One week out from praying that prayer of, you know, Jesus, I just really, I really need you to change the way that I live and to seek you first because it's funny. I was even struggling um, to do that, even though it's something that I've done before. Um, But this week I've had such a blessing of a week and it's still been hard, but um, Jesus has really answered my prayer of changing the way that I live and he's really helping me with my anxiety and my confusion. And I'm still not sure what he has for me next year, but it's just been this deep like assurance in my heart that, you know, God is in control of my life and he does have a plan and I don't have to be worried or anxious about all these things that I can't control. So, yeah, it's been such a blessing and I'm just really grateful for the way that he's continued to hear um, my heart and all of that. So, yeah, that's my, that is my testimony. That's my story. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Shari. You know, one thing that really sticks out to me in the, mi- in the middle of that story is that it's, it's really interesting how 
so often I think we we can if if we're a follower of Jesus we can try and like mask that that in the midst of that journey there are still times of of confusion or of uncertainty mm-hmm. but as we read through the psalms for example it's it's it, it just mirrors kind of the story that you were telling there that there are times where even though we know who God is even though we're following him even though we're on a path that we believe he has called us to there are still moments of of questioning there's still moments of uncertainty and confusion and it's in those times mm-hmm. where we have to draw close to Jesus, even though we may not feel his presence immediately there. We may not have that overwhelming emotional sense of security or, or any of those things, but it's that practice of putting our hopes in Jesus, coming and putting him first, that draws us into that mm-hmm. place where we can experience peace in the midst of trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. And to, and to know as well, because it's waiting and waiting on God. And to know that he's still there in spite of what we're going through, God is still in the midst of what we're going through, and um, yeah, and and to see, you know, it's been a, it's been a week, and you're not saying that it takes only a week for prayers to be answered, but there is sometimes time that needs to. Um, what does time do? Go past. Um, in order for the, sorry, I'm so glad that it's you that I'm talking to. And I'm so glad that you could share with us today, honestly and openly, and hear me fumble all the way through this. And um, yeah. <laughs> But one thing we know is that we can go to God with all our prayers and our requests and all our anxiousness and anxiety, everything that's on our hearts, and know that he will not mm-hmm. only hear us but answer us but be there with us. And so I just want to thank you again, Shari, for your testimony today as we go to our next song, which is... The Isaacs, Peace in Trusting. God only knows how I cry. Heartbroken and my hands are tied. But he's been faithful time and time.
This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. Thing that is really unexpected, but we do need to get to the bottom of it. This is Air News. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I'm feeling qualified for what you're calling me to. Along with your strength, I've got no excuse. Cause broken people are exactly who you use. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David, Lord, be mine to fail. So I can face my giants with confidence. You took a shepherd boy and made him a king. Trust you and give you everything. I'll be a conqueror, cause you fight for me. to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. That was Sanctus Real Confidence. You know what's really interesting about that? That band, Mm -hmm. when I first gave my life to Jesus and I was living in Las Vegas, I was 17 years old, I started listening to a Christian radio station and Sanctus Real, I remember, I used to, was one of the bands that played on the radio a lot then. That was uh, 16 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I had my eyebrow up one, like, how how many is, how many is? Yeah, don't tell, don't tell nobody that. Don't tell anybody that. Right? Well, anyway, we are about to hop into our Bible study for today, and um, I'm excited about that because uh, one of the places that I need to turn so often when I'm not in a great mood or when I've had a difficult day or when I'm going through uncertainties or difficult times um, is Scripture because the reality is Scripture is the words of God. 
And as we look at the words of God, who else could we look to for hope in times of uncertainty? Who else can we look to for peace in times of uh, not peace, <laughs> chaos, turmoil, turmoil? Turmoil, yeah. There we go. That's a word. Um, and I had no idea it was Are You Okay Day today. I'm, I'm pretty American. I struggle to remember any of these things. That's I feel a, like there's all sorts of stuff like this happens, and I'm always like, oh, oh, it's Christmas today? Oh, okay. Yeah, like I'm always the last okay. person to know. <laughs> I only know because I've been celebrating for like 10 years. I mean, I've been doing Are You Okay Day for 10 years, but that's a, that's another story for yeah. another time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so we're, we're pleased to have you with us. Just before we get into it, I just wanted to, uh, highlight for you one more time that, uh, you can call in at any point with you've got questions. We would love to hear from you at our question of the day portion or question of the week portion at the end of the show. Any questions that you might have about spiritual things, about, um, scripture, about God, about Jesus, about practical Christianity, about whatever. Uh, about know. the things that we're studying today. That's any, right. Yeah, anything. Yeah. In fact, things yeah. about things that we're studying today yeah. would be even the, the most fun questions because yeah. then we know that you're learning and listening yeah, and challenging. We'd love to have that That'd be great. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us at 0491-064-669 and make sure you hang around because one of these little segments, we're going to tell you one of our code words and we're going to whisper that code Secret word to you just like that. And when you get that code word, you'll be able to call or text that number and say that code word and get a free copy of a book called Hope for Troubled Times by Mark Finley, talking mm. about the hope that we can have in Jesus through the uncertainties of a global pandemic. So without any further ado, we're going to have a word of prayer. Would you like to pray for us today, Tash, as we start our Bible study in Exodus 33? That's so Father God, we just come before you now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our listeners, and we thank you that we can just come now and just look into your word. Be with us. Open our hearts and minds as we receive your spirit through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that I actually really appreciate about about being a follower of Jesus is that, and doing something like this where we study the Bible, is that there's opportunity for people to interact because the reality is I don't have all the answers. I'm not like the authority on the Bible by any means. Mm, um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, most people would think I'm very unqualified and I think that they would be right. The reality is I've just been studying my Bible for the last 16 years as any Christian should and um, probably not enough as any Christian should to be totally mm. honest. And there's, there's power in the word of God and there's power in inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us. So I'm excited for what we're going to find out today. Yeah. And um yeah, well, last week we studied Exodus 32, which looked at the story of the golden calf. We had a great Bible study. I was really blessed by that. And um, so this is the story that goes on right after that. So remember, the f- story basically finished with Moses having the idol ground up and turned into powder, and then they were made to drink the powder. Um, it was quite, a, quite it was an interesting really, story. Yeah, really and um, now we've come to the end of that, and the question is, what's going to happen next, right? The people of Israel have rebelled against God. They've broken the covenant that they've just made with him. What's going to happen? And I think there's some amazing things that come out of this passage of Scripture. So let's dive right in. Would you want to start for us, Tash, in Exodus chapter 33? Exodus yep. is the second book of the Old Testament, and we're starting in Exodus 33, verse 1. All right. 33 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. All the sites, you know? Lots of sites. <laughs> Go go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, 
lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. All right. So what is going on here? It sounds, it's, look, when he's asking them, okay, so he tells them first that there's still a promise of this land and that it's time to go there. So mm. they've been at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, as we also know it. They've been there now for, for some time. Mm. Um, Moses has been talking to God at the top of the mountain. He's come back down. And uh, they received the Ten Commandments, and here they are, and he's telling them it's time to move on. But not, but even more than that, he's telling them to move on and to tell them that they're a stiff-necked people. It, to go. Yeah, so what does it mean to be stiff-necked? That's an old-school term. What, is, what does that mean? Well, I, don't, I, actually, I only know what happens when you have a stiff neck. You can't move your neck. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's break that, that down. Then. Is that the same? I, no, I don't think that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Tash. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna refute you on that one. Okay. Um, a stiff-necked person is somebody who would be stubborn, stiff-necked. Oh. They're, they're set in their way, like a horse. If he's stiff, you turn a horse. If you're driving a horse in a cart, you turn the horse by turning his head. Right? He's flexible. He can be moved. But if you're stiff-necked, you're stubborn. You're set in your way, and you won't change direction. Okay. So he's calling them out, and he's saying, yeah. "Look, you are unwilling to turn. You are unwilling to yield. Right? I've saved you from slavery." And now I'm trying to lead you into what freedom looks like, and you are unwilling to change. And so he says, I, I can't come into the midst of you because you're unwilling to allow me to do the transformation in your life, and I would have to consume you, right? Like, like I, God can't live with sin in the sense like it cannot continue to exist there in his in presence. The same, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is quite a, a strong statement. Now, what's the deal with calling them to, to take off their ornaments, what is that? I'm, I'm not sure about the ornaments, but I was just thinking, oh, it's just like, are they sad? So they go and put on their trackies. You know when you're really yeah. sad at home <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm just going to put on my trackies and wear, wear pajamas pretty much during the day. And I was like, oh, is that what it means? I, I'm thinking that's not what it means, but. I think you're onto something, though. I think you're onto something. Well, I'm going to be really honest. This is one of the things that I was just saying before. Like, it's not like we're all so qualified and we know all the answers. And by the way, you can know all the answers and still that doesn't necessarily make everything easy, by the way. But here's, here's something to just tell you. I had to look this up in a commentary and I looked it up just now. So, um, for some, some, some background information, what's really interesting to think about is mourning is something that is done when people are in a position of, confession or repentance repentance again means to turn yourself around to turn from sin to god so what are they doing they're seeing the consequences of their sinfulness they're seeing how sin separates them from god and they're seeing the, the results of this and so what do they do they mourn they're grieving the fact that their sin that they have chosen to do has had this outcome and hopefully they're actually mourning the sin itself not just the consequences. So when it says that the people put off their ornaments and God says, take off your ornaments, it seems that it's it's a position of of penitence or humiliation. It's, it's, a, it's an issue of repentance. I'm taking off of all of my symbols of joy and self-adornment to, uh, to lament and to repent and to mourn, to seek for God's mercies. And so it's really interesting. God promises that he's going to still lead them. 
But then he says, there's this issue. I can't come into the middle of the camp, right? I can't, I can't appear before you because you have been stiff-necked. You have turned away. You have, you have separated yourself from me. And this is, re- in reality, this is, this is the human condition. This is the sin problem. It separates us from God, Isaiah 59, verse 2. We, we are in a position where we need reconciliation. So how can we be reconciled to God? How can we be brought back into communion with God? Because we have all broken God's covenant, right? We have all been faithless when he has been faithful. So what do we do with that? Wow. Right? It's, it's super significant. But I think in the midst of that, it's beautiful that God didn't just turn around and consume them. He says, look. Look, if I were to appear before you right now, like that's, that's what would happen, right? You, you, you can't appear before me as a holy God in the current state that you're in. But yet he's not leaving them in that space. And I think this is, this is super encouraging because we all need to know that God is not interested in leaving us in the broken space that we are. He's not interested in leaving us in a space where, where we are separated from him. He wants to draw near to us and draw us near to him. And that's the goal and the plan that he has for your life and for mine. That's the reason for Jesus, and that, in fact, is the reason where we go through the sanctuary service that will be coming not too long after this chapter. If you plan on living in the promised land, if you need me to part the sea, if you want me to lead you by the hand, you gotta rest in me. You gotta rest in me. Standing on the edge of the promised land where the milk and honey flow, will you trust in me or will you trust in man? We're working in the desert sand. We're working in the desert sand. You don't have to build. Plant a thing, I am the great I am. I will fill your land with the finest wheat, but you've got to rest in me. You've got to rest in me. You've got to rest. You've got to rest. If you plan on living in the promised land, if you need me to part the sea, if you want me to lead you by the hand, you've got to rest in me. You've got to rest in me.
listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Tash. I did it again. Yay. That song was. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. Just, it, it's, it's small just, oh, screen. Just the Downing the, Family. The Downing Family. Rest. Yeah. You've got yeah. to rest. That was a good song. Yeah. Sorry. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the. Okay. You're doing a good job, Tash. You're picking up the reins. You're taking on the, the, the next level of responsibility, and I love it. All right. Anyway. Um, we're trying. We're trying. You're yes. doing a great job. So <laughs> we are just going to do another plug. Two things. We would love for you to make sure you pay attention for that code word because it's coming up soon. I'm telling Secret you. Secret word. It's coming up soon. Ew. When you hear that word, you can call or text in and receive a free copy of this book called Hope for Troubled Times by Mark Finley. And it just gives, it's a story, I mean, a story, but it's a book that talks about hope and how we can, yeah, get through this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. What does the Bible have to say to give us hope through this time and, and, and through the other things that are coming in, in the future history of earth? Um, but also we'd love to hear from you with your thoughts, your questions, your comments, and you can send those in at any time during the show by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. All right. Let's continue. Okay. We are in verse... We're in verse 7. 7. <laughs> okay. So we're in Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. His servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Awesome. Okay, so what's going on here? So Moses is meeting with the Lord, but they're meeting in a tent that's outside of the camp. And it's I, I like it's fascinating that each day he gets up, walks to the tent, and everybody comes to the, the mouth of their tents and watches him go to the tent. So I think this is interesting. Like I can see this visual of like just people, people just watching. Everyone zoning in and just watching Moses walk to this tent. But because they know that what's happening in there is not just something small, but something very significant. Moses is speaking to God face to face. Yeah, it's super interesting to think about. There's a number of things that come to my mind when we read this. Point number one. This is not the plan that the tabernacle was going to originally be. First of all, I don't, I don't think if, I've, if I'm remembering correctly, they haven't made the tabernacle yet. So this is called the tabernacle of meeting. Moses sets up this tent, but it's not the tent that God had instructed him to have made yet. Now, what's interesting to note about that is that the tabernacle, the design of the tabernacle, as it comes into the, into the camp later when they build the tabernacle as God gave the instructions to build it in Exodus 25 onward, it winds up being in the center of the camp. This is fascinating to me because right now God's presence is not coming into the center of the camp. Something has happened here with the people and he says, I can't come into the camp right now. And 
he's meeting with Moses outside of the camp. And this is a clear example of something. It's a clear example of the separation that the breaking of God's covenant has had on humanity, right? Like humanity has, has exited that relationship with God through Adam and Eve's decision in the garden. All of humanity has continued to participate in that rebellion ever since, right? There's this real clear reality that God's presence, we have been separated from it. Like we have separated ourselves from it by our own choosing. And yet, what's fascinating here is that there's someone to intercede to try and bring that reconciliation. And in, in this way, Moses is pointing forward to who Christ will be, right? He's, he's like a little picture of Jesus in this instance. And what's really powerful about that is God wasn't satisfied to just be outside the camp and to only relate with this one person forever. He's, his desire is to be with his people. So he's creating a system in which he can be brought into the camp in the tabernacle his ultimate goal is not to be separated, but to be reunited. And the tabernacle is the way of God showing how this process is going to take place through the sanctuary services, all pointing forward to the ministry of Jesus as the, the, the Lamb of God and as the high priest of God. It's fascinating stuff. But one thing that is really cool that sticks out to me in this as well is that Moses, Moses was another sinful human being just like the rest of them, Right? Now, this is obviously not pointing to Jesus. Jesus was without sin. But here's the point. It's not that Moses was so great and so wonderful and had never had a mistake. Remember, Moses was guilty of murder, we learned in the first two chapters of Exodus. Yeah. Right? And then he spent that time in the wilderness, 40 years in the desert. And it's after that time of connecting to God, of heartfelt repentance, that God is using him in this way. And I think it's really powerful to think about the fact that Moses was not somebody who had been perfect or lived a perfect life and somehow deserved or never experienced that separation from God, but he was somebody who had experienced that. But because he had had a deep, heartfelt repentance, God had worked a change in his life, and he was now in a position where he was not only connected to God, but he was interceding on behalf of other people to help bring them to God. And I think this is a really beautiful picture of what the life of a Christian is supposed to be like. We're supposed to be people who, though we have had have had dark pasts, have had experiences where we have fully fallen short and broken God's covenant, right? Like, And yet we have been reconciled to God through his mercy, through his grace, and we are now the, the bringers of that mercy and grace to the rest of the world. And I love that idea. All right, let's continue reading, unless you've got some more thoughts to share real quick. No, no, no. I just no. wanted to just tag something onto the last comment. It doesn't have to be made. quick, by the way. You can just share it. Well. Oh, no, it's just, it's just about... <laughs> Our, our working on behalf of four people because sometimes we're the only light that people can see or will see. And so, yeah, there is a responsibility in that. But, man, just to see that um, Moses was interceding for the people, yeah, in spite of all the things that they had done, it's amazing. Mm. Something else that I just noticed that's really cool is that Joshua never left the tabernacle at this time. He was constantly there. I don't know if he was supposed to be like the security guard or what, but he, like, he was he was like the commander of the army at that point. Yeah. But here's something that I think is really significant. Joshua becomes the, the, the predecessor. Is that the right word? The follower. I think predecessor comes before. Sorry. The, 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 the one who comes after Moses, right? He's, he's the one who takes Moses' place when Moses dies and they go into the promised land. And I think it's really fascinating that one of the things that – that sets him up to be in that position of leadership. It's not his military prowess. It's not, no, it's the fact that he spent time committed to God so much so that he was the one who stayed at the tabernacle and didn't depart from it. 
He was there to be in God's presence to learn, and it was being in God's presence that prepared him to lead the people. Oh, wow. I love that. There's another leadership tip. And, I, and I'm just going to add to that. As the successor, he was— That's the word, successor. I mean, this, as the successor, the best place to learn is, is near somebody or next to somebody, watching them. And so this entire time that Joshua is there with Moses, it's not just— he probably was the security guard, but it was intentional. It was an intentional time for learning, for modeling, for him to see how and how he was interacting with God, how he was interacting with the people, and to see that because those qualities are, are what Joshua took on when he became leader. That's right. Yeah. Whew, that's good stuff, man. That's good. Yeah. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's keep reading. Okay. We let we jumped up from verse twelve. That's where we are. Okay. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. All right, let's pause there, because we're going we're gonna to go to a song here in a moment. A couple of, a couple of quick things. What's really cool about this that sticks out to me before we kind of get into the breakdown of what's happening in this conversation is that these are the kinds of conversations that Moses is able to have with the God of the universe, right? It said, it said before that Moses was speaking to God face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, we're going to have to look at that in the context here as we look at these next verses. But what's amazing about this is God wants this kind of relationship with broken people just like you and just like me. God wants to be connected and close to you in conversational connection. A wonderful Savior 
Yeah, this is Real Faith, and uh, before we get back into our Bible study, just another shameless plug, we'd love to hear from you with your thoughts, your questions, your comments, and you can send those in to 0491-064-669. Did I say that right? You did. 0491-064-669. I had a, I had a, a mental lapse. Word, a secret, a secret word. word. A secret word. Oh, it's coming. Don't you worry. Okay. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Okay. Not just yet, but it's coming. Keep hanging in there. Keep hanging in there. Keep hanging in there. It's going to come. I'm telling what, you. What do they get if they do the secret word? Oh, if, they get, if you call in and you have oh. the secret word, you'll get this free book called Hope for Troubled Times by Mark Finley. So it's how to thrive in, a, in our shattered COVID-19 pandemic world. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. So Bible promises. and So you can call in when we give you that code word. So hang in there. It's coming soon. The secret word. All right. So let's continue reading and then we'll make some comments on this. Okay. So oh, oh, actually, no, I'm going to make a comment now. Okay. okay so, so Moses is in this conversation because we kind of read and then didn't say anything. Okay. Moses is having this conversation with God. And one thing that I think is really profound, it, it highlighted before, and we just mentioned this before, before we listened to the song, the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. And I want, I want to just highlight this because sometimes we, like, like there's, there's this kind of dichotomy, right? There's this kind of two, Two sides to this coin, where, where God is holy and God is transcendent, so to speak. He's so far above and beyond us, and yet he's also imminent, meaning he's, he's so close that he's right there with you. And there's this real 
this real paradox about God in that sense. On the one hand, he's the maker of the universe, and he's the king of glory. And yet, on the other hand, he's the God who comes close like like, like a, a mother hen hovers over her chicks and keeps them close close by and keeps them safe, right? Like there's this, there's this far away and near reality of God. And what I love about this is that here's Moses. Here's Moses going and interceding on behalf of the people, but look at the kinds of conversations that he has with God. And this goes back, by the way, as we've already looked at, all the way back to the burning bush. He's able to have conversations with God that I probably feel like, oh, would I have that kind of conversation with God? And God speaks to him. And he makes requests, like, check this out. He had said, um, hey, God, you said to me, bring up this people, but but you haven't told me who's going to come with. So who's going to come with? Like, what's the deal? Like, please, I'm praying. If I have found grace in your sight, like you said, then show me your way so I can know you and that I may find grace in your sight, right? A couple of things there that, that really stick out to me. Number one, he says, God has said, you have found grace, Right? Sometimes people think that grace is not present in the Old Testament. Bump on. Mm-hmm. The grace is all through the New Testament and all through the Old Testament because grace is the story of God. Like it's a it's a beautiful, powerful thing. It says Moses has found grace. And he says, Well, what's the evidence here? What's the evidence that I have found grace in your sight? What what will you do for me? Right? What how will I know? Right? He wants to have a relationship with God where he can talk to God and know from God. And God engages in this conversation with him. He says, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. And then he's like, well, if your presence doesn't go, then don't take us away. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to be in your presence. Right? He's concerned that God's presence is going to leave. But God's saying, I won't take my presence. My presence will be with you. He says, I will also do this thing. Right? He's like, um, go with us. I'll do this thing so that you have found grace in my sight, and you can know that I know you by your name. Right? I love that. I love that connection that he has with God, and that's a connection that God wants with every single person. It's beautiful. All right, so we're in verse 18, and I think, is that what we're up to? Or did I read ahead? No, we we did verse 18. All right, well, let's, well, we can read, let's read it 18. again. Okay. And he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. I love this. So, so Moses says to him, "Show me your glory, right now." Now, what would you think of if God's if if you were thinking about God's glory, right? What would you think of? What's the first stuff that comes to your mind? Go. Ah, uh, you know, like a, <laughs> a big. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the first thing I think. Okay, of. so so power, might, something shining majesty, and brilliant and light. Brilliant right? like, light. Yeah. This is all the stuff that we're seeing in our minds, right? He says, "Okay." He says, okay, this is my answer to you, Moses. I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He says, but you can't see my face. Now, this is hard for us to make sense of because we're like, wait, wait, hang on a second. Didn't he just say he was speaking face-to-face to Moses as a man speaks to his friend? But there's a sense in which God's glory is veiled, right? And so whatever's happening here, he's saying, if I revealed myself to you in all of my dazzling glory with no veil between, 
you would not be able to continue to exist, right? You and your sinfulness, you, it would be too much, too much for you. But this is what I'll do. This is how much I love you, Moses. This is how close our relationship is. He says, okay, you can't see me face to face, face, right? Like you can't see my face, face. <laughs> yeah. He says, but here's what's going to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to proclaim my name before you. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in a, in a, in a crevice in the rock. And then I'm going to pass by you and I'll take my hand off of that space and I'll let you see my back. Right? He's like, you can't see my front. It's too much for you. He says, but I'll let you see my back, right? Isn't this beautiful? Because God wants him to be able to see. He wants to grant his request, and so he grants it to the, to the, in as much as he's able to do so in this context without it being the destruction and end of Moses. He does what's best for Moses, the best thing that he can give him in response to his question. And we're about to find out when we get through this next section just exactly what that is, and it is profound. It's absolutely profound what takes place. This is why I love this passage of Scripture. All right, so let's keep reading. So he says, I'm going to do that. Let's read. Uh, so we're in chapter 34 Chapter 34. Now. All right. Okay. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let Neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone, like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand of the two tablets of stone. All right, we're going to pause there. So check this out. What what in the world is going on? You've got this, this conversation, and Moses is like, show me your glory. He says, okay, I will. I'll show you my glory. I'll show you my back. I'm going to proclaim my goodness or I'll proclaim my name. I'm going to show you all my goodness. It's going to pass before you. All my goodness. And then what does he say to him? What's his next instruction? Cut some rock. Go get some rock. Go get some rock. Make some some stone tablets, right? Yeah. And then he says this. He well, he's says, in a rock, and then he tells them to cut something out of that rock, isn't he? Well, well no, he's not, oh, in no there. Just, he's, he's not in there yet. Uh, okay. He's not in there yet. He's he's not up on oh, the mountain, I will, remember. Sorry, yes, he's not. Okay, so, yeah. so, so check this out. This is fascinating to me. Notice that he says this. He says, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And then he says, somebody's going to write the words that were on the first tablet. Who's going to write those words? Moses or God? God. God's going to write those words. Why am I highlighting this? I'm highlighting this because when God gave the Ten Commandments, right, which is not, it's not civil law. It's not like the law that the government must obey. It's, it's, it's individual moral commandments right this mm-hmm. this is this is the moral law that's applicable to every human being and he says those are so important that the first time he says i'm going to write them with my own finger right everything else in the torah moses wrote everything else right moses wrote all the other things that are written in the law of moses by his own hand everything but there are the 10 words the decalogue the 10 commandments were not written by Moses. It was too important for Moses to be able to write it. God wrote it with his own finger. In fact, it's the only portion of the Bible that is written by God's finger as opposed to given by inspiration from the Holy Spirit for the Bible author to write himself, right? This is significant. It's so significant, in fact. What's happening in the Ten Commandments is so significant 
that not only is it done like that once, but after Moses broke them, he says, you make two more tablets, you come up on the mountain, you bring them up, and you're not going to write them this time either. They're so important. You're not going to write down what you remember. He says, I will write them again. That's how significant these are. And Paul in Romans 13 says, (laughs) all of the law is summarized in this. Love your neighbor as yourself because we're going to a song. I've lost my thought. I'll tell you after this song. Yeah. 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. We're pleased to have you with us. The secret word is covenant. Did you hear that? What was it? What was that word? Secret what? What was that? Covenant. Covenant. Okay. That was it. All right. So if you heard that, call 0491-064-669, and you can get your hands on that free copy of Hope for Troubled Times by Mark Finley, how we can have hope in the midst of a global crisis like this pandemic and what is coming with the rest of the rest of life after that. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you heard that code word, you can call in 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And don't forget to call in with your questions because we would love to hear from you and um, and to with your questions, address your questions at the uh, question of the week segment mm. after this next Bible study section. So, okay. without any further ado, we are jumping back into Exodus 34. Now, this is my favorite part. Bum, bum, bum. This is why I was excited about this chapter. So, let's. Oh, I didn't finish my thought. I yeah, just to say, yeah. yeah. You gotta love live radio because you just you're on a timeline. You make mistakes, and that's what I love. It's not like it's not like recorded. You can't just oh yeah. take five, take six, take se-. no no no. Yeah, you can see there's the take, seconds counting down. So there's it's, take one. Yeah, and when you make a mistake, you gotta roll with the punches. <laughs> I love it. So what <laughs> I was gonna say it. is, Paul summarizes in Romans thirteen eight through ten. He says, all of the law can be summarized. In this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's what I was trying to say. And what's really powerful about this is that he's, he's, he's saying there that these commandments, the Ten Commandments, this is, this is an expression, an extension, an explanation of what love for God and what love for man looks like. And so it's so powerful that here... It's it's the only portion of Scripture, again, that God wrote with his own finger, right? Everything else God inspired men, prophets of old, by the Holy Spirit to write. But this was so important, he wrote it with his own hand. Powerful, powerful stuff. So he goes up on the mountain, and now we come into my favorite port, part of this section. So Exodus 34, verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And he said, No, that's it. We're pausing there. That's that's the portion right there. Oh, I I didn't say that. It's okay. Huh? Nothing. What? It's coming up. Oh, don't worry. It's okay. <laughs> oh, covenant. Um, so this is awesome. This is awesome. We might not think that this is awesome until we really start to break it down. What did Moses ask God to show him? 
His glory. Show me your glory, God. What is it that sets you apart? What is it that makes you different from all other things? Who are you? Reveal yourself to me, not through a veil, but show me yourself through through clarity. Show me your glory, right? And so what does he say? He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And so in this scene, he goes up on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. He's gone up there to have this conversation with God to receive the Ten Commandments again, right? He's going through this conversation. He gets up there, and it says that the Lord descends in a cloud and stands there, and it says he proclaims the name of the Lord. So here's God. He shows up. He proclaims the name of the Lord. And then it says this, and the Lord passed before him. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. He says, he says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. And what does he proclaim? He makes a statement here. And what's the statement about? Who's the statement about? It's about himself. It's about himself. Yeah. This is God describing God. And I love this. You want to know what the glory of God is? We might start to think the glory of God is primarily his might, his majesty, his beauty, his his you fill in the blanks, right? All of these things that we would typically associate with glory, with majesty. But what does he describe it? He goes through and he describes the very character of the God of the universe. This is the character of the maker, the character of the Savior. The glory of God is expressed most clearly in his in His character being spoken or demonstrated. In fact, my favorite passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus Christ will be lifted to the highest place because he came down to the lowest place, to the glory of of God the Father. Jesus' life is the exhibit, exhibit A of the character of God. The glory of God is made most clear in the life of Jesus Christ. So check this out. What are what are the character traits of God that make him so glorious? I love this. I absolutely love this. Number one, merciful and gracious. Okay, so think about this. God's character traits. Number one, mercy. What is mercy? Uh, total silence there. Crickets are going. You don't know? I, I, You're on the spot. That was a bit of a that was a bit of a tough question. I would define mercy as not receiving what you deserve. Right? I'm guilty of something and I don't get the punishment. That's mercy. Right? It says that God is merciful. Mm. He is full of mercy. Number one. Listen to the order of the list as well. I think that's fascinating. He starts off with mercy. Number two, he says, gracious. Well, what's grace? Mercy is mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? It's it's not receiving a punishment or a just penalty. That's mercy. But grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. It's not not receiving, it is receiving. It's it's being given being given a gift that you don't deserve, right? It's being given favor that doesn't belong to you, right? So point number 1, God is merciful. Point number 2, God is gracious. Point number three, God is long-suffering. What does that word mean? That's an old English word. Nobody says, oh, you suffer long with me today. What would they say? Patience. Patient. Yeah. He is long-suffering. And, and it, it doesn't just say patient because it's, it's even further than, than patience. It's patience to the, to the tenth degree, right? He suffers long for the sake of those he is trying to save. He suffers long. If you have ever tried, let me, let's put it this way. If you, like me, have had friends or loved ones who are struggling with addiction, right? 
and you are on that journey with them, it is a long haul. And you suffer long with ups and downs and roller coaster rides and successes and failures and rejections and all sorts of it is a tough journey. It is hard to suffer long with somebody when they're struggling with those things. But that's the way that God is in his character. That's the character of God, to suffer long with broken, sinful humanity. Check this out. It goes on. So number three, long-suffering. Number four, abounding in goodness and truth. Not, not, just, not just he's good, he's truthful. No, no, no. Abounding, as in he's, he's overflowing. He's filling up to the brim and then pouring out the sides of the cup with both goodness and also with truth. There is no deceit in God. There is no lie. There is no falsehood. Everything that he speaks is truth. Sometimes we look at that and we can think that's a little bit scary because sometimes the truth is hard, but it says that he is abounding not just in truth, but also in goodness. So check this out. Mercy, grace, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. And then he says this, keeping mercy for thousands. It wasn't good enough to say mercy once. How merciful is God? He's so merciful that in this list of character traits, he says mercy twice. (laughs) He starts it with mercy and then he goes down, says all of these other things, and then he says, merciful to thousands. Well, the implication there is to the thousands of generations, right? Merciful to thousands. And then the last one, and this is the one that a lot of people struggle with, but let's let's put it into perspective. He says, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What is that? If we were, if we were to summarize that in one word, I would say God is just. He is, he is dealing with sin. And he says, I will be merciful, I will be gracious, I will be long-suffering, I will abound in goodness and truth, I will give you mercy to the thousands. He says, mercy is plan A. I want to give mercy to everyone. Everyone who is willing to turn to me to receive mercy will receive it. He says, but if you're not willing to receive mercy, I will deal with justice, and I will right the wrongs. And I love this. These are the very character traits. This is the glory of God. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. In heaven the army will enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood, the battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of His blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses in heart, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Encourage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, 
sing to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. We buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us, said our goodbyes at the grave, but everything. See 
sounded like music in my ear. Beautiful story of Jesus. Dispelled my doubts and all my fears. How marvelous is His love. This world is longing to know wonderful story of Jesus. I'll take it wherever I go. Tell of His love for this world to save every man. Woman, boy, and girl. Oh, it's not just a story. You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And uh, normally, we would go to um, a, a bit of a tune, a bit of a jingle. But today, unfortunately, we don't have any callers in So, uh, with questions. So we just want to encourage you uh, to call in because we'd love to hear from you. It's actually my favorite part of the show is mm. getting to deal with questions that come in from callers and listeners. So we would encourage you to send in some questions um, for next time. And you can send them in not just during the show. You can actually send them in in advance if you just say that they're for real faith. And you can call or text those in at 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. All right, well, what was Moses' response to God revealing his glory? It says that he basically falls down and worships, right? Yeah. He falls down and he worships God when he sees and hears the glory of God declared before him. His response is one of worship. And truly, truly, this is the response that everyone will have as the glory of God is finally revealed. I think it's, I think it's so powerful, right? Like at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And all should declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? Like this, this idea is so powerful and profound that when God is truly revealed, totally, which we know will happen at the end of time, every knee will bow before him. That's the appropriate response to the glory of God, is to fall down and worship. And notice what he prays. He says, If now I have found grace in your sight, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Even though we are stiff-necked, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, take us as your inheritance. And I love this response. He says, look, he just falls down and worships at the feet of God, and he says, have mercy. If we have truly received grace, Go among us. And this points forward to really, at the end of time, what, what's going to happen to all those who have put their hope and their trust fully in Jesus. I love this. 
I love it. All right. Well, we're going to skip a little bit here. It goes through, and, and God makes a, a covenant with Moses, and it says that he was there on the mountain 40 days, 40 nights, and he neither ate bread nor drank water, which parallels Jesus uh, going into the wilderness to be well, he was tempted. That's not what's happening here with Moses. But um, he wrote. Uh, God wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, etc. We're going to continue on in verse 29. And we're actually coming to the close, basically, of our study of Exodus. So let's round this out. Okay. Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments, gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out, and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Awesome. So, so what's, the resp- like, what's, what's the outcome of seeing God's glory like this? That he's also shining. Like this is... Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Like he's beaming. He's yeah. I love it. You've got a glow. It's a little <laughs> bit more than the glow that he would experience if uh, he were a pregnant lady. Right. Like yeah. he's, he's literally glowing, mm. um, not because God's radioactive, but because God's glory is rubbing off on him. It's having an impact on him. And I love this because you've probably heard the saying by beholding, we become, become changed. changed. Mm. And that's really what's happening. Moses is beholding the glory of God, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his truth, his justice, his his mercy the second time, right? Like his long suffering. All of these character traits of God are being demonstrated to him. He's seeing the glory of God and it's it's actually changing who he is. Now he goes down there and because his face is literally shining, it's 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 freaking the people out. And it, you know what's interesting about that is that as we experience the transformation that will take place in our lives over time through a relationship with Jesus, Sometimes that's the way that people respond. They're like, whoa, that's a bit much. You're a bit different. And and sometimes we feel like we have to veil our face. But ultimately, that's not not what we want to do. We, we want to, to glorify God in those things and point them to Jesus. Um, but I love this passage of Scripture. It's really, really neat what happens to Moses. God's glory begins to be reflected in the face of Moses. This is all sons and daughters. We are waiting.
You're listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Tesh. Awesome. And this is real faith. This is real faith. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our show. We are, um, yeah, it's just been a blessing to be able to spend some time together in Scripture today. But before we go to our application section, we're going to actually, we've decided just just now mm. that we are going to finish Exodus today. So, in the, the, so we're going to read the last passage of Exodus. So we're going to turn, if you're following along in a Bible, join us in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 till the end. Okay, here we go. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel will go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Awesome. Now you might be thinking to yourself, why why are we skipping all this stuff and going going right to the end and then finishing Exodus so so rapidly? Well, basically just because the reading that we're going through in between there is really fascinating stuff. It's really important stuff, but it's, it's a bit hard to do on radio. So we decided that we're uh, going to wrap up there, and uh, right at the end of the show, I'm going to give you an announcement of what we're going to be studying next time. So hang around for that for a moment. Mm. Okay, what's really cool about this, I think this is really fascinating, in between what we've what we read before and what we've just read now, you have the the initiating of the priests, you have the making of the altars, the priestly garments, you have the building of the tabernacle. And what I just wanted to highlight, uh, or maybe it wasn't the initiating of the priests. Anyway, they made their, their garments, etc. That might happen later. Can't remember. The, the point is they finished the tabernacle, and notice what happens. God had promised he would go with them, and God kept his promise. Here it says that they built the tabernacle of meeting and they placed it, in, well it doesn't say here, but they did place it in the center of the camp. They built their whole camp around it. God's tabernacle became the center of the camp, God's presence right in the middle of everything. And when God's presence, when the cloud was there on the tabernacle, they stayed and they did not move. As soon as God's presence went up and left, they then moved and went where the cloud led them. Mm. Right, And I love this idea because what this communicates is that God kept his promise. God is a keeper of his promises. His people repented, and he made a way for them to be rejoined to him. And that way was actually the pathway, the, you know, the, the, the sanctuary pattern is what points forward to the true reuniting that's going to take place at the end of time with the, the remaking of the heavens and the earth and all of those who put their hope and their trust in Jesus to be reunited with God where it says in Revelation that we will see him face to face. Yeah. Right? We will see his face. And I love this idea because... God is not contented to just have us running around like chickens with our head cut off all alone. He wants to be right in the middle of our camp. He wants to be the one who leads us, who says, when I get up and move, you get up and move. When I stop and I stay, you stop and stay, and I'm going to be right here in the midst of your people. That's God's desire for us. So what can we take out of this? What can we apply? We're running out of time here, but what can we apply practically from what we've read today in Exodus 33, 34, and 40? <laughs> 40. Oh, just, Robbie, what a beautiful reminder that, that God is always with us, um, and he promises that he'll always be with us. I just have a few applications, but I want to uh, talk about the inter uh, Moses interceding on behalf of the people, because there are times when we feel like we're so far from God. 
that we, our sins or whatever we're going through is keeping us away or we can't, we don't know where God is. But knowing that there's somebody that's working on behalf, that Jesus is, is there and having working on our behalf and um, inter- interceding for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an amazing idea because I know, I know in my own strength that I can't do it. And so that's a good hope. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Another thing that I think we can take out of this that's really practical is God wants to have a conversational connection with his people. He wants us to draw close to him and to know him so intimately, to be so connected to him that we can have those kinds of conversations like Moses had with God. God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a friend, it says. Now, what's keeping us from having that experience? And I would suggest that the primary thing that's keeping us from having that experience is that we are not seeking it. Mm. We're not seeking it. What's the difference between Moses before and Moses after? Well, he repented and he drew close to God and he has real conversations. You want to have real conversation. You want to have a real prayer life with God. Let me tell you, it starts with honesty and it starts with authenticity and it starts with openness. You know, why, why is it so valuable? Why does God say so often that you must confess your sins? Well, it's kind of like in the 12 steps. When you admit you have a problem, there's hope for change. Yeah. But until you admit there's a problem, you can't really you can. ever get you can't ever break the ice. You can't ever get anything out on the table until you admit the truth. And so we need to if we want to have a conversation with God, if we want to have a, a walk with God like Moses did, we must be willing to do the hard yards of relationship and come to Jesus and really start talking to him about what's really going on. Mm. It's so easy to to one, not pray. It's so easy to to pray like this, dear God, thanks for everything. Have please help me with all this stuff. Bye. Right, like that's a really easy way to pray, but it doesn't real. It doesn't equal relationship. Mm. And what God wants to have with each of His children is He wants to have a connection like He had with Moses. What makes Moses so different and so special? Moses was just another guy, right? Just like us. He was yeah. just a human being, like you or like me. And we have access to the same God, to the same Holy Spirit. We can speak to God. We can have God speak to us if we're willing to put in the time, the effort, the honesty, the repentance, the confession, the reflection, the praise, to have those conversations with God. And let me tell you, my friend, just like Chash was saying in our Weird and Wonderful, it doesn't happen instantaneous. You don't just go from, I've never talked to God before, and boom, how? Everything is so easy. right? Like It's a learning process, but you learn it step by step, day by day. You want to become a person who has conversations with God like Moses does, start talking to God. When he was in the desert for 40 years, he didn't have a lot of people to talk to out there with the sheep. I imagine he spent a lot of time talking to his heavenly father. So we want to encourage you and challenge you to talk to God, really speak with him, open your heart to him. And we're going to start next week our study of the gospel of John. Stick around for drive time. And may God bless you, my friends. Remember, real faith Faith is is lived faith. faith.